In this episode, we will be using BattleBards sound effects. Check them out, battlebards.com. And if you're signing up for a Prime account, be sure to use our code STACK to get a discount. The Raid Atli, the foreman, savored the moment when the last tool was hung in its proper place and the last laughing laborer had trudged off into the fading day to find a bit of warmth and some hot food at a pleasant home fire. There was something calming about a day's work done. Sure, the chaos of the daytime workyard was invigorating, filled as it was with the sharp crack of the joiner's mallet, or the sudden spray of wood chips as saws trimmed the heavy trunks of fallen trees into usable planks. It was when the long sunlight of the late afternoon signaled that it was time for the workers to file out that the foreman took his greatest satisfaction. After the work was done for the day, as tired bodies sought the peace and restoration of deep sleep, he found just as much strength from assessing the day's progress and preparing for the next. Without order, what good was a work site? He straightened a hanging tool with a deft hand, swapped a couple of auger bits on the table before him so that their lengths were arranged in a more pleasing order. When the workers came in in the morning, everything would be just as they had come to expect. A place for everything, and everything in its place. That was how he ran his yard. The distant sound of metal on metal along the road outside the workyard drew his eyes through the open gate. There, a distant black smear showed clearly against the yellow of the tufted early grass and the gray of the bare earth. Excellent. Only another few minutes until the night guard would arrive. Enough time to make one last circuit before he headed to his nearby hut as well. The guard were a tough lot, but they were competent. Their captain was strong of arm and personality, and ran a tight unit. Adley appreciated the level of control. He could understand the need for it. Assured of the guard's imminent arrival, Adley's mind moved to other matters as he walked onto the raised platform at the end of the workyard. How he had come to love this work. When the mad little inventor with the boot on his head had first approached him with talk of ships that could fly in the air, even their long years of collaboration almost counted for nothing. He had almost, almost laughed, which would of course have been quite unforgivable. What had checked him was the seriousness on the inventor's face, an unusual earnestness that brought to the idea a sense of possibility. That's the way all his ideas were though, just enough madness to count as genius. It wasn't madness though. It turned out Assemerys had been right. It was the discovery of those marvelous stones, shards of some great crystal, that had done the trick. When they were added to the custom-built brass and glass cases, they caused the ship to rise from its trestles to float on the very air. With some ingenuity and engineering know-how, they had even been able to control thrust and direction. For their first design, they had used a converted ship. How very long ago it seemed now. In this out-of-the-way workyard, built in the scrubby grasslands of eastern Seth Arban, far from the idle, prying eyes of the curious, they had immediately begun work on a better design. The foreman stood on his elevated platform and looked out at the two hulls that were nearing completion. These were things of beauty. The sleek design drew many lessons from the first ship. The most notable thing was that there were no longer masts. The deck was quite clear of impediment, and only the shape of the hull retained a semblance of its nautical heritage. The afterdeck was the only point of elevation, and low rails ringed the edges to provide a measure of safety. 
A retractable framework of nets around the outer hull could be dropped at a moment's notice to provide extra protection from an untimely fall, but the greatest difference was the low profile. Without the need for a deep draft to stabilize it, the new model would fly with greater smoothness through the air, with greater mobility in both head and crosswinds. The two hulls were an engineering marvel. Aside from the shape, the artistic touches weren't bad to look at either. The one on the left had been done in an oak so honey-colored it was almost white. The failing light of day even made it appear to glow with some inner light. The one on the right had been built with black wood shipped from the coastal regions of Muwaka far to the south. This one had been worked with great skill, so that the black wood had a sheen to it. The tramping of feet outside the gate had been growing steadily, and at last the guard came marching in. With a firm voice, the captain brought the score of hardened soldiers to a halt and set the men at ease. He came quickly to the foot of the stairs of the platform and shaded his eyes against the last rays of red light. We're here and ready, sir. Ah, excellent. Good to see you, Fallon. Please make yourselves at home. I was just finishing up, although I think I'd like to do some more before I leave. Tea? Fallon nodded before turning crisply and striding back to his guards, issuing curt orders as he went. Within a minute, pairs of guards had moved to different parts of the yard while another small contingent, about half of them, began to walk the outer perimeter. When all was arranged to Fallon's satisfaction, he returned to find a pot already bubbling at the high table, the rich smell of tannins making the cool night feel less cool. They sat and they sipped for a little while, but as the captain was raising the cup for another sip, he froze. A faint sound had caught his ear and his warrior senses leapt to life. Stay here, he told the foreman, and rose smoothly even as he drew his sword. From outside the workyard's palisade walls, there now came the unmistakable sound of swords ringing, the anguished cry of someone unseen. Fallon blew a whistle on the silver chain at his throat, and the inner guards rushed to close the gates. As they came to the gates, these guards were met by the outer guards who were slowly being forced inside the yard. Outside, in the open expanse, dark shapes in the dimness of the twilight rose tall above them, their elongated heads looking bird-like as they thrust forward with cruel, curved blades. As the guards stumbled back before the onslaught, those inside thrust against the doors, snapping beaks and hooked blades reached through the closing gap until with a final shove the gate closed and a bar fell into place to hold it. They panted at the wall, leaning against it for support. But then a yell echoed in the enclosed space, and one of the men pointed upward to where screeching forms with folded wings plummeted downward at frightening speed. They spread their wings wide at the last possible moment to come to a light landing at different places in the workyard. Most landed near the cornered guards who were now pressed against the inner wall, but others landed on the decks of the ships and swarmed over them. Fallon blew hard on the whistle again, and with a furious cry the guard leapt forward, casting aside fear now as they moved to the attack. The large winged figure staggered back in the face of the sudden shift, and several were immediately borne down beneath the slicing swords. Some were able to flutter back, protecting themselves with their blades as they went. The fight moved fluidly, ebbing and flowing through the narrow places in a give and take as one fell here, or a comrade gained an advantage to drive the enemy back. One large figure landed on the afterdeck of the white ship, squatting grotesquely in the gloom. One thick arm held a shapeless bundle bound in cloth. The thing's yellow eyes gleamed, and then with a cry in Adley's direction, it bounded downward, wrenching open the door to the below-decks area and disappearing from sight. No, not my ship! 
Adley's voice rang out above the din, and with narrowed eyes he ran across the platform. On his way past the upper workbench at full speed he grabbed downward, he didn't need to look in the darkness. The sharp bladed adze was right there where he knew it would be, and as his fingers closed around the handle he was already leaping forward to land on the white deck below. The foreman skidded to a stop and turned to see a dull glow emanating from the open door. From within came a hissing sound that sounded like it could be laughter. Adley slowed, moving cautiously now, coming at last to the head of the stair. A pulsing sensation hit him, one that he remembered from the first ship. Starstone. He was puzzled momentarily. They hadn't installed the Starstone in these ships yet. It was much a practical thing. They didn't have enough on hand, as it was a safety precaution. That glow was familiar, though, and Adley held his breath as he came to the doorway to the propulsion room down below. As he peered in, there, crouched in the golden glow of the glass case, a hideous bird-like thing was removing a last large piece of crystal from the cloth wrapping, hissing to itself as it slid the shard into place. The clawed hand withdrew, and with unexpected care, swung the door shut with a click. Adley must have gasped, because with a whirl, the bird thing spun and launched itself forward. Adley swung blindly, felt the blade catch, and then he fled up the stairs with the feeling of claws immediately behind him. With another desperate leap, he flung himself over the rail and hit the ground below with a thud, rolling to absorb the worst of the fall. He looked with panic over his shoulder. The thing loomed at the rail, staring with yellow eyes at him, then raised its head and with a harsh cry, ran back below. In moments, the ship began to rise. Its progress was halted momentarily by guy lines, but as it continued to rise, the straining ropes creaked and at last gave way. The fight had continued to rage around the workyard, but at the harsh cry, the remaining birdfolk shoved back one last time to create space, jumped upward, flapping their wings to join the departing ship. As Adley watched in horror, his ship faded into the night sky, turning its graceful prow northward as it rose, and then silently gathered speed to disappear for good with its winged escort. <laughs>